Lord God. Allow me to decrease so that you will increase, Lord God. And that those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, when they hear this, will ask, what must I do to become saved? In your son's name we pray. Amen. So there's this tree called a bristlecone pine. And this bristlecone pine tree can live to be very, very old. There's one in California's Inyo National Forest that they call Methuselah because it's named after the oldest person in the Bible and that we get from Genesis chapter 5. The Methuselah tree was estimated to be 4,600 years old when they took a sample from it in the 1950s. They think it germinated somewhere around 2,833 B.C. C. So before the pyramids were going up, they think this tree was here. And they found another one in 2012, but they had cut that down. But they believe that one, they nicknamed it Prometheus, was older than Methuselah. The bristlecone pine tree was able to live a long time. Uh, a few years ago, there was a professor of botany that visited this ancient bristlecone pine forest as part of the Inyo National Forest, and he said that at the time, he thought that any living or any organism that lived that long had to have optimal conditions. It had to have the right weather and get the right amount of water and the right amount of sunshine and be in the right soil and have nobody ever mess with it and nothing ever infect the tree. He thought that would mean that, that they needed shelter in order to live from the extreme weather and all the nutrients. But this botanist was in shock when he stood looking at Methuselah. He recalled, I knew I'd been wrong. Even though it was the middle of the summer, there was a bone-chilling wind that had ripped right through him. And there was a, only a little bit of soil around the tree, scarce patches, and the site contained or appeared to contain little, if any, moisture. The conditions 
that he thought a tree would be able to live that long in were not there. Not only that, it was 10,000 feet above sea level. So what was Methuselah's secret? How could it survive, let alone thrive, in a place that would strike fear into humans, let alone trees, and virtually grow among other trees? And it turned out that the bristlecone pine had a trait in it that other, that other uh, trees did not have. They evolved survival strategies to help it cope with dangerous conditions. They had evolved survival strategies so that way they were able to survive in an unfriendly environment. And so it had a slow growth process. It, wasn't, it, 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 it happened over time. In order for that tree to grow to the way it was, everything was not perfect. Uh, in order for that tree to grow to the way it was, it had gone through some battle scars. In order for that tree to do what it done, it had to face some disease, some sickness, some, some lack. It had to face some tough times. And those tough times did not kill the bristlecone pine. It made it stronger. I think about that when I think about our people looking at what we've gone through during these times. Uh, 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 we may, if you look at some of the situations that we have survived, some of the things that we've gone through, I don't have time to do it, but we could probably pass the microphone around and everything that's going on, the average person may not be able to handle. But if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? These optimal sheltering conditions that you think a person will be able to thrive or thrive in sometimes don't happen. Sometimes you don't get along with everybody you come across. Sometimes you don't even get along with your own family members. Sometimes you got more month than you got money. Sometimes these people on the drive are going to tear your last, absolute last nerve down. Everything ain't going to be peaches and cream all the time, but I'm still here. They're able to endure what's going on and not only endure what's going on, thrive in it. So that when people look at it from the outside and say, I would be mad all the time if I was going through what you was going through. But we have something on the inside of us that holds us together. We have something on the inside of us that allows us to sleep at night. We have something on the inside of us that keeps us putting one foot in front of the other and going towards the mark of the high calling. And so that is what is going on in this book of Isaiah when it's written to the people. Uh, the book of Isaiah is written over several kingdoms. They've gone through several presidents, I mean kings, leaders, uh, 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 during that time. And those governments may not have been as friendly to the people of God as we would have liked them to be. Matter of fact, these letters sometimes were written while these people were in captivity under the Babylonian people. And, but yet, these people were still pressing forward. They were looking for God. One, uh, so, uh, Psalms 137 said it best when they were under this captivity. One of them said, how can I sing songs in a foreign land? So this, uh, this book of Isaiah was written to the people of God during some troubling times. They were away from their homes. Some of them were, were spread out all over the world. And these people were in captivity. 
but yet they still praise God. And, and, and so when we look at this text and we look at it, Isaiah has a lot of comparison sometimes to the Bible as in whole because it talks about Isaiah having 66 chapters and the Bible having 66 books. And, and then there are other scholars that say that multiple authors wrote the book of Isaiah. And so you look at the first 39 chapters of Isaiah and it's doom and gloom and law and, and, and punishment for what's going on. And then you look at the last 27 chapters of Isaiah and there is hope for the people. God tells them to speak tenderly to the people. God tells them they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles and run when not get weary and walk and not faint. So we look at all of that and that is what is going on during this time. Isaiah is telling the people just hold on. It may get rough sometimes but just hold on. Uh, this is Isaiah, the same Isaiah that tells us to seek the Lord that he may be found and call upon him while we are near. And so he writes this to the people and then, then when we're into this, this, this book of what they would call consolation in the second half of Isaiah and, and, and a careful reading of the entire 66 chapters reveals the shift right around 39. And, 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 and there's the complaint and the condemning and the, the things that are going on and the people are in exile and they're already in punishment but Isaiah is telling them to hold on. And, and this second section tells us that, 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 that we need to hold on because God's word is powerful. Uh, this is a natural illustration of God's word. God st uh, Isaiah starts off comparing God's word to the weather. Uh, let the church say weather. Uh, it talks about the rain coming down from heaven to produce food for the people's bodies. Uh, one thing I've learned about the weather and one thing that I've learned about these harvests is that you really can't control either one. Uh, I hear people talking about the harvest, the harvest, the harvest, the harvest, but I'm reminded of a story with my wife's grandmother, grandfather, rather, excuse me. Uh, he has some land that he farms on, okay. and, 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 and while he's not out there in that land every day, he knows when to go to plant and when to till and, and when to come pick it up, and when it's time to harvest, he gets a little antsy. Uh, we talk about the harvest, the harvest, the harvest, and everything's supposed to be going great for you and everything's going on. But I've learned to understand that the harvest time is not always fun and games. Uh, the harvest time is sometimes when you got to work as hard as possible. When the harvest time comes, you got to get out to the land and get the fruit and get the produce before the animals get to it or before it spoils or before it wants. So sometimes in order to get what you want most, you're going to have to work harder than you had been before. Amen. Sometimes when you work for these things, they, they're going to challenge you. Uh, but that challenge lets you know that you are a threat. I watch basketball a lot and they double team the one who is most dangerous to score. If you can't score, they're going to leave you alone. But if you are a threat to victory, if you are a threat to the enemy, they are going to plan against you. Uh, when they have the football game, they only tackle the one who's getting the ball. Why? Because that is a threat to the score. And so when I look at the troubles that go on through my life, when I look at some of the resistance I have, I understand that that chastisement is coming because I am a threat 
to the enemy. I remember being on the football team and noticing that the coach only yelled at those he thought he could make better. If you went up there and messed up and he didn't say anything but next, that meant he did not think you could do better. But if he yelled at you for doing something wrong, he thought you could do better than what you was putting out. So sometimes I look at these problems that are going on in our lives and understand that somebody out there thinks I might can do a little bit better. Uh, the Bible says he won't put more on us than we can bear. The Bible says that for every temptation there is a way of escape. So it's about us stepping up to the plate and moving forward. And so this weather comes down and produces this harvest. And sometimes we have to work more harder in those times than we've ever had to work before. There will be times in our lives where we'll have to pray harder than we've ever prayed before. There will be times in our lives where we have to fast harder than we've ever fasted before. There are times in our lives where we'll have to spend that time in church more than we've ever spent in that time before. But we have to understand that that's the work and the work is how we get better. Uh, and so we have God's weather coming down. And just like God's weather furnishes the, the harvest, we have God's word. Let the church say word. word. Uh, God's word comes down from heaven. And just like the water came down from heaven to produce food for our bodies, the word came down from heaven to produce food for our souls. Uh, the grass withers and the flower, flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Amen. I'll say that again. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. That word is important. That word is what soothes doubts and calms fears. That word is what gives us strength from day to day because that word is what tells us that we are the head and not the tail. It's the word that tells us that we are above and shall never be beneath. The word tells us to be the lender and not the borrower. The word tells us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The word tells us that we are the apple of God's eye. The word tells us that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. The word tells us that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or imagine. It's the word that tells us that. And the word stands forever. And so we have this natural illustration and it goes to a personal application. It goes on to tell us that the thorns will be removed and the briar patches will be removed. The thorns and the briar patches they talk about in the beginning of Isaiah that's about judgment and punishment. But someday we'll move past that judgment and punishment and move into God's everlasting love. Sometimes we will, these people will seek God and seek God looking for a future and give up their bad ways and their sinful ways. And they'll understand that when we look at this word, he says that it will not return to him void. That means God cannot lie. If God said that that was what happens and is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should seek cause to repent. That word comes back and does not return to him void. So if God said it, that settles it. And that's what's all going on in our lives. The word is important. Not only is the word of God important, but the word amongst our lives is important. Words frame people. Words encourage people. Words can bring people down. If you tell your child that they are no good, 
they will live up to that word you put in them. If you tell them that they are the righteousness of God, they will live up to that word you put in them. Uh, if we ever have a dispute, a legal dispute with other people, we go to the word. What does the written word say? Do we have a contract? What does the law say? If somebody does not keep their word, we don't hang around them that much. Words are important. Yes. And since words are important, whenever there's some sort of disagreement that needs to be had, when we have the contract in front of us, we have a, 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 an ability to move with confidence. Nah, and so just like we do that in the natural world, we ought to be able to do that in the supernatural world. We have a contract right here. And sometimes instead of going, please, 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 let, let's go to the contract. Let's use the words that God said for us, for us, and not use other things. And so that word does not return to him void. And so that means that when we need something, we just need to speak the word. And so we have this personal application. And, and, and because we have this personal application, that means sometimes when we use this word, sometimes when we live through this word, sometimes these things are not going to go the way we planned. But God is still faithful. Amen. Trouble on all sides. But God is still faithful. His word tells me that he will never leave us nor forsake us. His word tells me that he's never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That's what the word tells me. So I will stand on the word. It may not happen in my timing. But it'll happen in God's timing. So I just need to stay in the word. How can we call ourselves Christians and not spend time in the word? And so the prophet Isaiah looks to these trees for inspiration. And he talks about God's word coming down from heaven just like the rain and the snow to bring refreshment and growth and nourishment to the earth. And God's word is always accomplishing the goal. According to the prophet, it inspires us to go out in joy and be led back in peace and joy and jubilation in the mountains and everything around us bursts forth into song. Things that ain't supposed to be singing for us will be singing for us. When we have that word inside of us, things that ain't supposed to have us giving us peace will give us peace. There'll be those times where people will say, why do you have this joy about you? Well, the joy is not, is not, put, is not set on external situations. This joy that I have, the world did not give it, and the world cannot take it away. The happiness is not dependent upon whether or not I'm getting along with my friends and family. The happiness is not dependent upon whether or not I have a bunch of money in my pocket right now. The happiness is not dependent upon whether or not I got to sit on the pew that I wanted to sit on or whether or not I got the parking spot that I wanted to get. The, the joy is not dependent upon that person at the grocery store that is nice to me or not. This joy that I have is on the inside. And on that inside, it comes from spending time with the word. And when you have that peace 
That peace will give you that sweet sleep at night, no matter what's going on. That peace will give you that ability to be able to release and let that joker go no matter how mad they made you. You won't allow them to spend time in your head rent free. Uh, that peace will allow you to move on and see the wonderful things of God and realize just how blessed you are. Just how blessed you are. You know how blessed you are right now? You can take a check. <sighs> That's a blessing. Because everybody can't do that right now. That's a blessing. Being in your right mind is a blessing. So we'll be able to see that when we get into this word and spend this time with the word. And then he talks about these cypress trees. And I, I like cypress trees. I, I like them for, for certain words because it gets me to my clothes. Uh, you have this cypress tree and these, these scholars talk about this cypress tree. And this particular yew tree was used for shipbuilding. In the Middle Eastern times. And so there's a, a, a man by the name of Noah. And the scholars argue that that was built out of Cyprus. And he built an ark. Which is essentially a box. That you keep something in it. And the contents of said box. Is able to save the world. And so you have this Noah. Who's in a box. In an ark. Able to save the world. The contents in it are able to help save humanity. And then they talk about also when you go into Exodus, there's this man. This young, well, he's a young man at the time by the name of Moses. And they're out there trying to kill all the young babies. And he gets put in a box. And the contents are able to help save the people. Because he went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And people used cypress wood to build vessels. People use cypress woods to build something that would carry something with you. And so they talked about this wood again. And I think about this box with the wood in it and the contents able to save the world. And I think about Noah in a box and the contents are able to help save the people. And I think about Moses in a box and the contents are in it that are able to save the people. But you know what else? came in a box because I like to do things in threes. They made mangers out of wood. And they put them in a box. And I think about this little box in a manger because there's no room for it in. And the contents of this wood was able to save the world. And not only did they use the wood there and the contents were able to save the wood, they used wood for crosses. And the content of that wood was able to save the world. And so I look at this word and I say that it will never become, return to you's void. That's what God said. And I think about this word that soothes me, that gives me strength from day to day, that soothes my doubt and calms my fears. And then I go all the way over to John. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God and the word was with God. And slide on down to 14 because the word became flesh and dwelled among us. So I think about this word being put inside of us to save us from our sins. To save all of humanity and going to the cross and dying for our sins. And I thank God that is not where the story ends. He died on the cross. But early, three days later, he got up with all power in his hand. And that's in the word. And because the word does not return to me void, I can do that. And because he died for my sins, I am able to live. Because he died for my sins, I'm able to have that peace. Because he died for my sins, I'm able to have that joy. And not ever hold all of these things against me. In the name of the Father, 
Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.